0: details i'm nick and i'm james And we are two industrial designers in the big city sweating the small stuff <laughs> that's right and uh i don't know it's not terribly hot today
1: no it's not too bad we got some cloud coverage had some
0: rain this past day yeah
1: so but we're uh we're getting ready for a heat wave this weekend i don't know if you know I, about this nick i don't check the weather that it's often. on saturday they say it's gonna feel like 115 degrees in mm, new york that really yeah oh man yeah Get out your misters. I guess so. Yeah. What 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 have you been up to this past week? Uh, not a whole lot. Oh, I can finally announce that my dumbbells that I designed for Peloton—I don't know if I've really talked about them on the podcast—um, won a Red Dot Award. Congrats! I did not pay for the for the submission <laughs> thank fee. Thank goodness! Thank goodness! <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty stoked on that. I'm
0: pretty proud. Um, the, you also won the core Seven award, correct? I was listed for the,
1: uh, treadmill in the core 77 award. Okay. So red the, dot did only the
0: dumbbells win core 77, or no, was it like I don't, co- a whole cohesive
1: thing? I don't know if they were submitted. I don't think they won anything okay, so it's for just core 77, the, the treadmills. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if they were submitted or not, but uh, red dot has this thing where there's a limited amount of designers that can be on an award. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. whereas I think core was a little bit like, Hey, put the whole team right. on there. Right. Um, so yeah, cause I did a small part of the treadmill, uh, literally just a small part, <laughs> the neck of the treadmill. Uh, but the dumbbells are my baby. That's awesome. man. The, and, um, so yeah, I have them pulled up on the
0: YouTube. You can check them out. I feel like we've talked about them. A little bit, but, you know, it's we've done 62 parts. This is 63. 63, number so, 63. I mean, we might as well talk about them again. I mean, I think they're really cool. They have a very unique style. They have square weights to them. Yes. So they don't roll around. Yes. And I don't want people to think that this is
1: some, like, arbitrary, like, I just took two Apple TVs, put them on their sides, <laughs> and then put a handle between them.
0: That's not arbitrary at all. I mean, it has a purpose. It doesn't roll right. around.
1: So, I mean, a big part of the whole Peloton um, thing is that they're inviting people into fitness who have never really exercised before. You know, they, they might be first time, right. You know, and of the, you see a lot of this, like I, I follow the Peloton hashtag, especially when I worked there, I was following it. And it's like a lot of people, like I have these new fitness goals. And now that I have the Peloton bike, like I'm really going to go for it. And, right. You know, so you think about there's, there's some exercises that require, you know, in the case of the treadmill they have these boot camp classes which you get off the treadmill and you're using weights and whatnot. And there are exercises like the ones that you do on the floor where you're using the dumbbells for as like push up blocks. And if you have those hexagonal ones, I mean
0: Yeah, you're gonna roll all over all of them.
1: I've done workout classes where I've you know, I've done those with the hexagon ones and I was very concerned all the time that, about that them just like would snap roll, in. <laughs> rolling over. Um, but the the thing that I really wanted to draw from was, was the home as an inspiration. And so what I did with the dumbbells is I wanted them to look like upholstered pillows. Like I wanted the button that's in the middle that has the weight size right. to look like the button. And so it actually depresses oh. slightly in the middle. Um, and then you have the, the dumbbell end, which is the pillow. Um, because you know, another part of the Peloton design philosophy is to be something that people are not ashamed of. It's not your typical exercise equipment that people are like hiding in the basement or in the third floor, you know, wherever. Um, so yeah. And, uh, Obviously, I need to, you know, I love shouting out, but I've <laughs> got to shout out the team. So Jason Poor, head of ID, Mark Cruz, senior designer, Lee Hendricks, who actually, he took my concept, um, which, you know, is pretty much what it is today, but he built out Uh, the entire line of weights. So took Uh, my 15 pound weight, which is what I handed over and then translated the design to all the other weights. So that's, that is a lot of work. So for sure. Big shout out to Lee. And then um, Heidi, uh, who Reed has mentioned on this podcast many times, engineer who engineered the weights. And then Ben Schultz, the project manager who went to taiwan and figured out how to get these made because nobody makes weights like this and it's very difficult
0: to figure out how to get them made and how to get them made well i mean that's that's a very difficult yeah it's like one of the hardest parts of design is just figuring out how to make the thing
1: yeah so huge shout out to the to the team uh for their support uh in getting this made and getting it made so well
0: did the did the treadmill win a red dot or just the
1: weights the treadmill won a red dot, and so did the shoes. They actually okay. designed a pair of running shoes, yeah. so, and uh, those also got a red dot.
0: I, I've probably talked about my uh, opinions on red dot before, but <laughs> I, I, I think, wait, regardless, I, I think you did a great job on design, and I would give you an award for whatever it was. I
1: designed the resistance bands, they were submitted, did not get a red dot. So okay, so they, got, they have there, some parameters. There's not; it's right. not just like, oh yeah, you paid. Here's your award, <laughs> right? But <laughs> but yeah, whatever, Nick. No, if no, you no, had
0: I, I, I mean, if you had I'm a not, company backing you, for sure. If, if someone else is paying for your red dot, might as well, right? Yeah.
1: Listen, um, I got those red dots, and I got those 4.5 star 99 reviews on Amazon. I've never gotten any awards, hey. so like, congrats <laughs> to you, man. <laughs> Um, but yeah I mean it's it's a contentious issue the whole idea of awards
0: because they there is
1: this whole payment process with well, them yeah
0: and, and I think the the problem that I have with red dot is that you have to pay after you win like you pay to submit a, a certain amount I don't know the number I right would, I would guess it's around you know 200 to 500 to submit a submit a design and then I believe in my research, is not, you, you should double check me on this, but I believe you had to pay somewhere around like $2,000 to kind of, to accept the award. Mm. So it's like, Hey, you won. And instead of, instead of giving you a prize, you actually have to give us a prize. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. That's my little tangent. That's my, my little opinion. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I but, did not
1: have to deal with any of those payments. Right. So, so you're um, golden.
0: you are got, you got the best of both. worlds. Yeah, States. exactly. Um, but yeah, amazing design. Congrats, James. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I don't have. I don't think I have any updates this week. I've just been hanging out, kind of fixing up the studio. I don't know. You designed this red dot award-winning pin. <laughs> yes, no. buy a pin. Oh, I wanted to um, shout out people that have already bought a pin. Oh yeah. And may- maybe I'll say the names in shotgun style, and you'll just be like, "Thank you." You know. Like, uh, okay. Right. All right um joey v thank you freddie b thank you andy a thank you thomas r thank you i have jenny d thank you lewis g
1: thank you jason s thank you grace b thank you nick h thank you david u thank you
0: park oh boy prick s
1: Thank you. I
0: apologize for those (laughs) who I've messed up their names. Uh, Carlos T. Thank you. Tyler A.
1: Thank you. Graham W. Thank you. Daniel B. Thank you.
0: Alejandro A. Thank you. Matthew K. Thank you. And Michael R.
1: Thank you. Thank you, guys. Hey, Uh, thank
0: you very much. We we do really appreciate the support, and we, we hope you guys can rep the swag and, I don't know, show it off to your friends. Tell yeah. people About the, the podcast. Also, call
1: us up and tell us how your names are pronounced.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. If if I apologize for that. <laughs> De- definitely too. I mean, it, it is not to toot our own horn,
1: but it is really cool to know that. I mean, these we have an international fan base.
0: Yeah. No. I've I probably sent majority of them international. I, at least, at least a good half, I think. That's that's just my my. That's gut reaction. cool.
1: Thank you so much, guys. We um, really appreciate the support.
0: But yeah, get get a pin. podcast dot com. Um,
1: I suppose my whole chipotle burrito thing is kind of lost on the international community. <laughs>
0: they have chipotle in no. other places.
1: Where is it not international? I don't think so. I don't think they've got, I don't think it's gone. They definitely have burritos. They definitely yet. have
0: burritos on other places. They know
1: what a burrito is. Yes. Uh, but do they know what
0: Chipotle is? We should, we should do a McDonald's analogy, but I have oh. no clue. I mean, what is it?
1: I don't know. Cause you could, you, you could, could feed, feed a family. You
0: could feed multiple generations
1: of a family with $12 at McDonald's. <laughs> that sure. dollar menu takes you a long For way.
0: Sure. 12 items off the dollar menu. Yes. <laughs> um, so, uh boop, 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 boop. design news. This design news. This isn't really design news, but I thought it was a pretty uh a big thing that happened this week. Uh and I mean disclaimer. So so this is Elon Musk announced his progress on Neuralink, which mm-hmm. is the uh brain implant technology that will allow us to control computers. Yeah. Um and I think we just want to disclaimer that we have worked in this space before, so our opinions might be influenced by our knowledge of this. But um, I don't know. Did you... Have you read anything about it, James? Or I could just give you kind of a summary of Elon's presentation.
1: I, yeah, I, like, glanced at it. I I really didn't pay too much attention to it. Well,
0: as you know, I'm an Elon Musk fan. Yeah, Um, I can smell it on you. I can smell the Musk. (laughs) You can smell the Musk. I, well... (laughs) The only thing that irks me about Elon Musk is his presentation skills. Oh, he's a terrible presenter. I I feel like any one of us or any of our listeners (laughs) could give a better presentation than Elon Musk. Probably. But regardless, I think he's a smart guy and he's done a lot. Um, So Neuralink is his, I guess it's been around for two years now. Um, And the live stream yesterday, we'll link to it so you can watch it. Um, Kind of did an overview of all the research they've done and uh essentially what they're doing is they created very fine filaments fine threads you know they're made out of some sort of metal or some sort of you know polymer that are inserted into your brain via this very high-tech robot so i i it sounds kind of science fictiony and kind yeah. of dystopian, um, but they've tested it out uh, on animals, and even at the end, Elon Musk said that tested it on a monkey, oh. and that the monkey was able to control a computer. Cool, which is kind of crazy. And um, oh, did they have to choose such a cute mouse? <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, animal testing is a whole other topic, but right. Uh, I mean, better test on an animal before a human though. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. The, the thing was, is that, uh, I mean, I, I am a fan of just technology in general and I'm always, you know, all for progress and, and trying to I connect would, with computers I would and become a I would love to see board. you
1: wearing like a sports jersey that just says
0: technology. Technology. Or I, I'm a fan of technology in general. Um, but you know you I, I do the VR thing you know I'm I'm I love it yeah um and you know knowing about Elon Musk's venture for the past 2 years it's always been something that like I've like it's something that I ask people like hey would you ever get a brain implant for to control your your device right and
1: what is their general
0: response well everyone usually says no of course not yeah but my 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 thought was always like yeah I I would do it you're, you are if I'd, a crazed I don't know if I'd, early adopter. I, I don't know if I was, I would be a, the first one. And I don't also know if I'd be like early adopter, but I would definitely be second early adopter. Yeah. But let me tell you, after I watched the presentation, I was much more scared. Really? Yeah. Because they, they showed video of the surgery happening, I guess on, a, on a mouse or something. Um, they do have to drill a hole into the skull. Right. And then, you know, they take these threads and they stick the threads into your brain. Right. And there was video of the, th- like the needle going into the brain, sticking the thread. I'm sorry, to get graphic, but it just like changed my perspective on it. And I was like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about this yet.
1: Yeah. and And, you know, I think we're going to have to, we're going to have to do a podcast about the work that we've been doing. Right. At which kind of also uh, alters the, our opinion somewhat. It's because, along the same vein. Because this does seem just a little too invasive for my taste, and at least at this stage. Right. But maybe it's something that over time I could warm up to, but I just think, I, I don't
0: know. It, so it, so to, to calm everyone down for a second, Elon Musk is definitely gearing... Uh, Neuralink, at least initially, towards uh, me- medical, area, right, right, like people who have lost limbs, people who limbs, are already
1: getting surgeries, right, like
0: people who this can really change their life and you know give them a limb back or give them, you know, f- like you the, you know, he talks about like you can unparalyze someone with this device, right. you can, you know, kind of reset like if someone's paralyzed from the neck down, this could save them, yeah. Um, so like that, that kind of scenario is great. Like, you know, this can be game changing. I think the scenario where it starts to become a like optional procedure for the general public where, Hey, now you don't, want to, you know, com- you know use a computer uh, mouse or a keyboard. You can just kind of think it, um, that that's the kind of dystopian or, or future like you know, there's a lot of unanswered questions in that scenario. Right. Um, and he even goes into talking about a little bit of like communicating with someone on a, on another bandwidth level, Mm. essentially telepathy. Mm. If someone else has the neural link, you can kind of communicate with them almost in the way that phones communicate that much data. So like, instead of like talking, you would have more of a, a, transfer of knowledge in a way, yeah. which is like insane. And then, and, and so, and then another, another point that got me scared was that Elon Musk talked about not only can you output, but you also, the device will also be able to input into your brain. Oh. So that's how you would communicate back and forth with in- someone. Interesting. So that definitely got me a little bit, a little bit cautious.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially because it's something that is, essentially a part of you once you install it.
0: Yes. Now, I will say that the the part that is installed is only the the threads and the sensor. So, there's no computing power that's installed into you. The computing power, power is, like, connected behind your ear or something. Mm-hmm. I think there was images of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you could easily disconnect. Like, you could, usually ta- you could easily take the thing off, and all you would have is just plastic and metal. Right. In your, inside of you
1: yeah it just it like it tends to remind me of that one black mirror
0: episode
1: have you seen i it? I, I you know is, i've is not this seen the, a
0: show you have watched i have seen the exact episode i know i i'm, I'm just excited because i i never know tv or movies so i'm just really <laughs> excited that i have seen this episode Are you talking about the one where it's like a vr headset but it just connects to your eye
1: uh i think your, it's your temple yeah it's like I think it's called redo or something and it it's like filming oh, all I've the time too. and you can kind of like rewatch things right. and, and eventually doesn't the guy just like rip it out of himself I, I've I don't remember there's probably
0: actually there's probably multiple black mirrors so episodes about this
1: but yeah I mean it's it is super interesting technology I'm just I'm not I, I don't know you're like, much more hesitant on it I'm I'm pretty hesitant on it but We'll see where it goes. I I like I like Elon Elon for championing certain industries yeah. and getting excitement around those industries. For sure, for sure. I feel like he's
0: really brought. I mean, you have SpaceX too, and it's just like this guy's. He's the he's the modern day Iron Man, as they as they say. <laughs> he really is. He's just not as. As witty and
1: as charming uh, or playboy esque, right? Uh, but yeah, um, yeah. Speaking of, of of a little bit more
0: time for it to to warm up, yeah, we wanted so. Uh, yeah, I, I just had to come off of that that topic that design news because it's just a heavy topic. I don't know. It's, yeah, um, no, but but for uh, the topic this week, we kind of wanted to think about. or or talk about this idea that I've had, which Mm -hmm. is, well, you know, it's not, I mean, it's just a thought I had is the value of time in design. And what I mean by this is like, I feel like we're missing this element of distillation in design where we design something in a concept phase and then we just let it be. And I'm not talking like, sit it around for a couple of days. I'm talking like months or years mm. where it just sits and lives with you and you get to feel the prototype and decide whether it's good or not. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, I, I kind of feel like maybe this is like slow design or I don't know if there's a word for it or a, a thing for it.
1: So what you're saying is that like you see there being some value in being able to, design something and then let it sit right so so that you're not just pushing it out the
0: door yes because the entire industry does that right it's all based on deadlines it's all hey we got to get this done quick you know i'm sure that if anyone had if you work in the design industry that's how it is and really that's how it is in the entire world Mm -hmm. everyone wants stuff now it's our Mm. instant gratification culture right um And I think design might suffer from that. Um, So, you know, I've had a few examples of this in my own um, designs. I I feel like just recently I've been working on a a light for a gantry and maybe been working on it for about, I don't know, started it maybe... Nine months ago, mm. um, and the the great thing about gantry, and I haven't really talked about this at all. Uh, I've been kind of keeping it under wraps until yeah,
1: this is the first time we're hearing it on the podcast
0: until recently. I've I've done a little peek, peek, uh, sneak peek on on a little bit of my Instagram, yeah, um, recently. So uh, yeah, maybe this is like a. A little, this is, this a, is like a weekly update. This almost. is a Minor Details exclusive. Exclusive? This is design news. Of course. I, I always got to give the Minor Details exclusive. You guys always get the best news first. <laughs> um, so I've been working on this light for mm, six to nine months now. I forget when I started it. But uh-huh. uh, the great thing about Gantry is that since it's 3D printed lights, their, their production time is so quick. Yeah. Like they can, you can come up with an idea and get it produced in like four months. Like that's unheard of in the traditional, right. uh, In traditional industrial design and manufacturing. But um, you know, for me, that's like so fast. Like I, I, I'm, I feel like I need to sit with a a object for a while. And so I did, I, I kind of designed this light and we can talk about it later, maybe on another podcast. But um, I got the prototype in that they had engineered, and I, I just had it for two to three months just sitting there, using yeah. it, seeing it every day in my room. And over time, I, I kind of understood the form better and understood the things I needed to fix on it. Hmm. Um, and if it had not been for that amount of time, I would not have understood those things. Right because when you first get it I'm like oh yeah this is great you know maybe there's a thing I need to tweak here um but other than that like let's let's ship it out the door right but as you sit on it you start to realize the smaller nuances of it and and I felt like that helped me finalize the design
1: yeah now I know that recently you've or more recently you've also been talking about Jasper Morrison's design philosophy and like, how does this fit into that? Because I feel like this is something that the Jasper Morrison thing was something that you adopted.
0: Yeah. I I don't know if I mentioned, I mean, I think there, so, so I read the book, uh, Jasper Morrison, a book of things. And I think he has a few other books as well that I should check out. But, Mm -hmm. um, there actually is a part in there and I'm not sure if I've told this on the podcast or not, but he, he designs this side table that looks like a wooden crate. Right. Have, is have this what you're thinking of? I, yeah. Um,
1: do you know what it's called? Is it just called like crate? Uh, I don't know. Or like crate side table. I'll try crate side table. Yeah.
0: Um, and I apologize if we talked about this already on the podcast, but it, right? it's still a good story. Yeah. So the the story goes is that Jasper morrison i guess he was like moving into a new house or something and he used this old wine crate to move all of his stuff like a box right yeah you have a bunch of boxes when you're moving and um he unpacked everything and he kind of kept this crate next to his bed i think it probably had some books and stuff in it so he just kind of set it up and used it as a nightstand um and he just left it there and over time he like he realized that it actually was a really nice design, hmm. um, and so I think a furniture company approached him and was like, "Hey, we would like to do a collaboration. Do you have any designs?" And he was like, "Yes, I do. I have this this wine crate, and uh, you know, he designed this wine crate for this furniture company, and it costs like you know three hundred dollars, which is which got a lot of criticism because all it is is a wooden box that you could buy it.
1: You, you can know. get it for one hundred and fifty. Is that?" pounds uh or is that probably pounds 150 pounds yeah so i don't know what that is oh 187 dollars
0: okay not so, bad. so not as three but but james it's not bad if if it's a nightstand like a nice design nightstand, nice but this is just a wooden box it kind of does look like you took to like a drawer like a drawer out of a dresser and put it on its side Right. So he definitely came under some criticism for the fact that it was just very high priced. Yeah. But I think there's a, there's a lot of value in the story of, I guess, sitting with an object and letting it distill and understanding what, what it needs and what it doesn't need. Right. Because I think what it doesn't need is almost more valuable than what it needs. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had any experiences where you, where you had a chance to let, a design sit? I'm trying to, well, I mean, I've certainly let my bottle opener sit for, for like a year. So can you give me a, can you give any thoughts on that? Like, do you feel that since you've let your bottle opener sit and distill and you've just had the prototype sitting around, do you feel more confident in in the design or less confident in the design?
1: Uh, I think I feel the same level of confidence. I think what I mostly feel about the bottle opener is I, Is I beat myself up for not having produced it, like not having produced it when the when the iron was hot, you know, just like getting it out there. Oh, that's that's a
0: because that's I think that's a drawback to this method. I think
1: I think what I more often find is that I'm frustrated by long deadlines. Yes, I, I would much rather. Because I feel like there's this moment where you start to question your intuitions where it becomes counterproductive. Right.
0: I think that is the flip side to this entire thing Yeah. where you can, well, first of all, yeah, there's two things there. Like you can create a prototype and you're really excited and you, you know, you push really hard to get the design like to a physical point and to a place where you can use it and test it. And then you can either sit on it and, and sitting on it almost almost can make you stagnate. Like right. it, it, it's a much harder to push it out the door three months down the road than it is the next day. Yeah. Cause you're kind of already in the goes the go mode and getting ramped back up to like push the design out the door can be tough.
1: Yeah. No, I find that especially tough and that's why I'm always interested in doing things in a short time frame and like something that I can be very iterative with, And I mean, with the bottle opener, it was around the time that we got our printers. Right. So I was able to just be very quick and iterative with it. And that was really invigorating. And I felt like I was able to like produce something that I was proud of pretty quickly, like just off of that juice. Yeah. And that doesn't always happen. Sometimes you run into like ruts. One case... Uh, And I think I discussed this in a prior podcast and this is not something that's produced, but it's something that is certainly out there enough for people to see is the helicopter that I designed that both Derek Elliott, you know, animated and Andrew Brace is going to build that helicopter took me a really long time to figure out because like I had done multiple iterations of it okay. and just was completely unsatisfied and it kind of like stopped me in my tracks with my helicopter series because I was just so frustrated that I wasn't able to achieve the design that I wanted.
0: Wait, so how many helicopters, toy helicopters did you do?
1: Uh that one was nineteen.
0: And was that was nineteen the last
1: concept? Nineteen was the last concept until I did I did a few cars and then more recently I did, um, helicopter 20.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, so, so, so 19 did have this dis- distillation period.
1: It did because it was just like, yeah, it was really difficult to, to figure out like, cause I had just this whole idea of the propeller underneath the carriage and something like, and then contained somehow with the feet. Right. And I, I, it was like, it was literally like a year later that I figured out by like arcing down, I should pull it up, by arcing down the legs that they could then become the feet. Mm, um, right. And because I was trying almost everything else. Uh, and I, I, I want to actually do a post about it. Uh, here's the Derek Elliott animation of it. But it was it was a more difficult to design designed to figure out than the other ones. And I feel like it got the benefit of time because I do feel like this is the strongest of the series. I
0: would hundred percent agree. I think this is my favorite as well.
1: Um, so yeah, uh, that's, that is the one case that I can think of right? where time was, time was on my side.
0: Yeah. I also, I think Justin Morrison also had another story in the book where he talks about, um, Working with a client on a, I believe it was like a furniture piece and it was years. It was mm-hmm. like, f- I, I don't know what the, how many years it was. It was like two to five years. Yeah. Um, and he just talks about it as like, hey, this is something that we just took time making. And I think there's a lot of value in that too. When you, right. when you think about something that's been thought about for five years, that, that, may, that has a lot more weight than, some, than something that's been designed in two months and produced, you know. Right.
1: Yeah, I think, like, you know, unfortunately, you can't always do this in your day-to-day job. Right. But my, my kind of feeling about certain projects is, like, if they're not coming to me, then I don't want to force them. Yeah. And, like, if I have the luxury of putting things on the back burner and just having them sit in the back of my mind to, like, work on... Because that's the thing is, like, that helicopter would constantly... I would revisit it just in my head a lot. Right. And, you know, eventually it kind of emerged.
0: Yeah, and I guess this doesn't even necessarily have to apply to the physical prototype as well. I I know, I mean, the helicopters were just concepts. Right. Um, And then, you know, I think that we all have these concepts that we've done and we're always... Thinking back on them, like, oh, you know, I really should get around to that—that that one concept I had, right? You know, whatever it was. Yeah, because um, you—you had done your
1: like. There was a bottle opener that you had done.
0: Yes, I mean, so this was this is an example of letting something sit and realizing that is it's actually bad design. Mm. Um, so I had originally. Designed a, a bottle opener. Is like, that if I, I, I go know, three years ago? If I go far back enough. If you go far back enough, you can find I'm, it. It's good. It it's going to be small. a it's going to be a dizzying pace for those watching on YouTube. Um, so I had when I was living in Texas, I wanted to manufacture a product, start to finish, just for fun. Yeah. Um, and bottle opener seemed simple enough, and I just started going at it. Um, and so I designed this bottle opener that also had a wine cork on it. And the bottle opener also had these like three uh metal i guess legs coming off of it which yeah. acted as the bottle opener so in theory you could open three bottles at once um i never actually got it to work we could probably do two bottles at once but i never got three. Oh. um but i i did actually get a sample made like, yeah i actually paid for tooling i'll scroll up a little bit am i i actually oh, paid, yeah. i actually paid for tooling to get it uh casted and everything and so i got to the manufacturing stage and you know, I let it sit, and I tested it, and I played with it, and I realized that the design was just too extraneous. It just had too much going on. Right um,
1: now, can I ask you, when you were in the process of doing all this, did you, were you feeling satisfied with the design at
0: any point, or were you
1: always like slightly unsatisfied with it?
0: I think I was always a little slightly unsatisfied. Mm. Like it never, like it felt like a lot of it was there. Like it felt the, like the design was like mostly there. And maybe I was concentrating too much on the details mm. where like I was like, oh, let me get this filler right. Let me get this geometry right. Um, and never really seeing it as a whole maybe. Mm. Um, there, it, you know, it had this wooden handle on it. Also, just from a manufacturing standpoint, it was difficult because it was multiple pieces. Right. And so taking a pro like having your first product be multiple pieces is definitely a a more of a challenge than just a single like metal piece or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess that was like an example that I had got it to the manufacturing stage and was just using it, letting it sit, testing it, seeing how I felt about it. Yeah. And eventually realizing after, you know, nine months of development that in, in distillation that, this is not the right design and I'm not proud of this.
1: Interesting. Now, ironically, I think that this might have been the thing that like piqued my interest in your work, like was, was, really watching, was watching this series, like watching you go through all of this. And it also was kind of inspiring to me because I was like, oh, you can just like make things if you want to. Right. And so, I mean, that's a case where like, even, even if you're doing something and you don't ever make it, like
0: there's maybe intangible benefits. For sure. I learned so much about Alibaba and I (laughs) I also, I also got scammed on this product. Really? Yeah. So, um, what happened? So I was, I was sourcing the metal, uh, piece, you know, this kind of trident or three legged thing. Um, and you know, I was on Alibaba, like searching metal forgers fabrication i'm not exactly sure what i was searching yeah um trying to find i mean you know i i was completely new to alibaba like i was just trying to find someone who could make this thing um and so i sent out a bunch of messages to people and got some quotes back and i think they're pretty expensive like i'm trying to recall how much it was um a, a piece mm. they're, they're probably like uh i don't know i had to look back like $6 a piece to make and then you know getting a sample made was you know $800 or something like that yeah which is you know like to spend $800 like that's a commitment right like you better yeah. make sure that design's good before you drop 800 bucks on it right um and then i had one supplier come back to me and was like oh yeah i can make this for $80 and i was like oh thank goodness i can finally get something made for 80 dollars instead of 800 and you know i was like okay perfect let me just get it made and get it shipped right um and so they were like oh okay so do you have the western union app and oh. I'll, I'll say the details and stuff and i was like yeah sure no problem so oh, like, no. i downloaded this this uh western union app which is what money transfer yeah um <laughs> and they sent me um the details of where to send it and i think i originally sent 80 bucks to the the correct name but the wrong country so 80 dollars went into the middle of nowhere i eventually got that that 80 dollars back okay because i think western if no one picks up the money at western union you can get it back right but, but after like three months yeah and then they're you know like the guy was also super pushy. He was like, we need this right now. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, okay, okay, I'll get it to you as fast as I can. Yeah, Cause you know, it's like, I don't want to lose this good deal. Right. Um, and then I sent it to, I believe it was, uh, Cameroon, which is a country in Africa. Okay. Uh, so yeah, some, some guy in Africa got my $80. Never nice. heard, never heard from him. Nice. Again. Um, so yeah, there's a little, uh, uh I guess, I don't know, tail, yeah, Advice. well, you, you
1: inadvertently funded his bottle opener project. Exactly, exactly. Uh, that's uh, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you look back through that and it looks like you had a lot of support for that bottle opener, even though you eventually decided to nix it. Yeah. Like, you were gaining momentum, gaining steam, gaining
0: followers. Well, yeah, and I think I that- mean, not just because
1: of the bottle opener, but people were like, enthusiastic about it
0: i think that's also an important distinction to make is like just because people like what you are doing online or Mm -hmm. or appreciate it or or comment um doesn't necessarily mean it's a good design right um and you know people you know i put up a fancy render of the bottle opener and it looked cool like it looks kind of cool it's got like you know these metal pieces and wooden pieces and like as a material or as an actually we have it right here oh just bring it out, crack it out for the video uh if only we had some brewskis yeah there was a comment on our last video that was like take stuff down from the shelf and play with it oh yeah um yeah i think you are the designer right so you might get a 100 likes on something and and that might be good but at the end of the day, like, hundred likes, you know, it doesn't. It's just an image. Yeah. So, Can we
1: talk about this a little bit, a yeah. little bit longer? Because okay. I, because, you know, my final feeling on this was yes. that it it didn't know what it wanted to be. It didn't know whether it wanted to be a sculptural object or a utilitarian object. Right. I wanted it to be everything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and that was the flaw. I think that was the. Cause that, that was my,
1: that was my final analysis of it was like, I, I like, I like parts of it, but as a whole, I felt like this is not like the handle gestures towards something that I want to put in my drawer, but the, the metal is 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 a sculptural thing. Right. So my feeling was like, you got to do something with the handle that makes it less of a handle and more of, of like some sort of like sculptural
0: piece. Right. Um, and then I, I remember trying to round off the top of the handle and then just thinking that it might be a little bit too phallic. <laughs> that's, that's always a question in your yeah. designs. So that's always one. Make sure... If you, uh, it'll happen. It'll happen. If you there don't ask that question, it'll happen.
1: I would like to think that there are designers out there. I mean, a, a, I think Sotsas being one of them that was, that
0: were looking, <laughs> that are it. looking for the phallic. Well, you know, whatever, what, it's a good question to ask and whatever your answer may be, <laughs> you can decide, but. It's up
1: to you whether you think that's valuable or not. Right. Um, But yeah, it's, it is. The thing that I feel like is valuable in terms of time is being able to chew on something before you
0: even start to design for it. Right. And, oh, I was going to say, so there's the artist Sebastian is that we've mentioned on this podcast before. Right. Um, He has this technique where he sketches out concepts and then pins them up to his wall um, in his studio. And so on his studio wall, he has like hundreds of concepts and, uh, like just coincidentally, like I was inspired by his sketch wall to make my sketch wall Mm. on previous episodes uh, Yeah, in the background. Um, and the way he talks about his sketch wall is he kind of puts it up there and takes down all the bad ideas every once in a while. Mm. And over time, you know, there will be several ideas that stick up on the wall and don't get taken down because uh, you know he takes them down you know every month or so and it's like oh this one's still good that's this super still cool good this one and you know if it's still good for a year he might put it into put it into a project you
1: don't so. get rock hard abs like that oh James without without having some good ideas James you know what i mean a swim swim oh man he's up. chilling
0: with marcel vonders <laughs> he's cool in my book um so yeah I want to hear what what you guys have to think about if you ever had a chance to let a design sit and distill and whether it was good or bad yeah I don't know
1: yeah it's it's a it's
0: a tough it's a tough one um, I it's a tough one because because I don't think the projects that you have to let sit won't make money so and often like you don't thing.
1: have the luxury of of being able to let something sit exactly Uh But yeah, I think my final thought is like, if I'm working with a client, I would much rather the deadlines be tight than, than long. And, but if I'm working on my own projects, I would like to have that just like, think of a kernel of something and just, and then just like chew on it in the background.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's how more of the, the furniture industry, industry works where it's independent designers submitting concepts to furniture brands and working with furniture brands. And not not everyone's like this, but in some way, there is a little bit more distillation in that fact. Yeah. As opposed to maybe the more traditional uh, plastic and hard industrial design. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, let us know uh, your thoughts. Hop in the Discord. Check out the Discord. It's well, always popping in there. Link in the Instagram profile. I feel like I'm getting addicted to Discord.
0: It's uh, almost more than Instagram. It's a my, lively lively conversation in there. This is another tangent. I feel like I feel like no matter what you're you're always going to be addicted to something. We're always going to have uh, a a crutch a crutch. Yeah. What am I trying to say? A uh, a crutch? A crutch? W- a,
1: cr- a crush? I don't know. You're always I, gonna have a crush. Who's your crush? <laughs> like,
0: if, like if you took away Instagram, we would feel some. We would figure out some other meaningless task to fill our time with. Right. Whether it's like video games or something. Yeah. I found myself doing that. Like if I don't spend, if like if I, like, am very diligent and don't spend an hour on Instagram, well then I'll just spend another hour on like you know watching YouTube. Well, like I was saying, you know,
1: in in the modern era, we've removed so many of the daily tasks from our lives. Oh right. That I feel like we have to fill it with something. Yeah. And whether it's video games that make you relive some of those tasks <laughs> that that are ancient ancestors used to perform. Right. Like Sims, you could make someone sweep the house. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, or yeah, just like connecting with people. I mean, the discord is great because, because it's not so much about signaling. It's not so much about like, Hey, there's this thing here. It's more, it's it's more poking and prodding and, and getting to some deeper answers. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's super
0: interesting. I appreciate all the people in there. Um, yeah. And also like we ha- we have some people are always sharing their work too. Yeah. And, uh, specifically Tim Zarki. Oh, we, we're, we're a big fan of Tim Zarki, and he, he likes to share his little sneak sneak peeks before we he shows it to Instagram. We so, are like, getting, it's a perk. It's yeah. Perk. We
1: are getting exclusives on Zarki. We're getting Zarki news. Yeah. We're getting, uh, zarki tips and tricks. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's
0: sharing a lot in there. Um, should we get some questions? We should get okay. some questions. So, uh, oh, if you had a question, send it to podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And then we also have a Google voicemail, which no one has sent in a voicemail in. Come on, In people. like three months, but that's okay. Uh, 1-646-494-4011. I still have the number memorized. So Nice. Um, so our first question comes from GV, and he asks, hey, guys, two-part question can you break down the final deliverables you usually give to clients when freelancing and any tips on interviewing slash getting to know your clients? Hmm. Um, Two part question. So let's, what, what are our finer deliverables for clients?
1: Um, design CAD. Yeah, I, w- I would say certainly a CAD file. Yeah. I'm yeah, probably a rendering. Some some CMF suggestions, right?
0: Yeah, I I would agree. So like usually, what I do is I give them you know a step file, or if they want native CAD, I can probably provide that. Mm. Um, That's more of a situational dependent thing, but certainly some sort of CAD file, and then I usually do like a specification document, mm. which is is kind of like if it's for you know we have different clients where sometimes we'll work with a client in a company, like go into their office and that's a little more cohesive. Right. But if it's like a remote client, maybe it's a shorter project, definitely I include a document that's like, hey, this is the design that we've all agreed on and this is, you know, it's going to be this color, it's going to be this finish. So yeah. Like CMF. Um, it's also going to function this way, it's going to feel this way, it's going to connect this way. Right. Um, it's going to work this way, et cetera. So when you say feel this way, like are you talking
1: about like buttons and things like that? Or are you talking CMF?
0: I guess when I said that, I was thinking like snapping together. Okay. Whatever that is. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm it just It will <laughs> snap. It will crackle. It will pop. That's right. Um, yeah, I think those two documents are usually my deliverables. Of course, it always depends. I mean, sometimes you're doing concept sketches. And that's Yeah.
1: A, I'm mostly, you know, it's, it is interesting that my freelancing career, I feel like I've mostly just worked internal in, in companies. And so I feel like you've done one or two like, oh, yeah, but a lot of those are still like, I'm going to meet with these people. And so like the, the final like handoff is in person. Mm. And so like a lot of those things are just described verbally. Um, but yeah, There's, there's a lot of value in that though. Yeah. Um, but any tips on interviewing, getting to know new
0: clients? What do you do, Nick? Um, you know, I think there, there's the two sides to the coin, right? There's the going into the office and freelancing inside the company. Mm-hmm. And that is a little bit more of the client is interviewing you. Yeah. Cause you're almost like a employee in that, like more of a contractor type yeah. of scenario. Um, the other way around is is doing the, the remote or the clients that are more coming to you as like a, uh, a, a consultant or something like that, where maybe you are interviewing the client to see if their project is, is something you want to take on. Mm. Like maybe you are the one, you know, deciding. Um, and, you know, certainly like I've gotten a lot of inquiries of like, hey, I have this idea. I'm this business person and i want to work on this project and i like your designs uh can we chat about it and you mm-hmm. know, that's like a pretty average like email for like a, a new client and um i for, for a while i was like yeah let's do it like you know hop on the phone and like chat about it um and and at some point i realized like this is a good amount of time i'm spending on these people who you know i i Chat with them on the phone. I spend a lot of time talking with them, you know, understanding the process. And then I get to the point where I give them a quote and then they realize like, oh, no, I don't have the money for this. Oh. Like, you know, I was looking for someone, you know, maybe more junior level or, right. or, or something like that. Um, and so it's like, oh, man, I just wasted, you know, three hours. I don't know if it's wasted, but I spent three hours talking with this person and, and forming a plan. Um, you know, I think. I learned something. Oh, from I believe I learned this from Haraf, the graphic design studio, mm. which we talked about back on the Core Seventy Seven conference episode. Yeah, um, where right up front in the email, you kind of give like a baseline just to like set the set the playing field. Like, hey, I'm super interested in your project. I'd love to hop on the phone call and chat. Uh, but before you know, I, I just want to let you know that I do have a baseline, a project, a, a baseline fee mm. of X amount. Oh. Um, And if that's comfortable, 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 comfortable for you, then I'm happy to talk. Uh, So if you see comfort in that, so if (laughs) if this proposition is like a couch to you, it's it's getting a little hot here. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's a technique that I've been using. I found some success with it. I can't talk anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. James, give me your thoughts. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. that's I think that's good because
1: recently I had a situation where I went out. It was like I I feel like I was teased by this client twice. You met because you in person? because they never because I never actually got signed on to a project. Okay, and so I went out and met with with these this company. Right, and um it seemed like all systems were go and I don't think that they realized how much I was going to charge them. Mm. And even after explaining like why and like what I was going to do for them right, and how I was going to save them money in the long run, you know? <laughs> well, there's
0: that old quote of like, you think good design
1: is expensive. What about bad design? Right. And so like eventually I just, you know, I was I just didn't get the job. Yeah. Like, and it was, it was really frustrating because I had taken the time to like establish that personal relationship. Exactly. And it's like, if, you know, and there was no, it was this weird, like, you know, you're going through this in between person and you can't talk to anybody directly. And if you could, probably everything would be sorted out. Right. And fine. Right. But it's like, you know, I come across as this like pompous like young designer of like oh i'm worth this much like right. pay me uh you know because i'm worth it it, and it can
0: be a little bit like that like yeah. I, I will caution you that you definitely if it's an email it's much easier to phrase it in a very specific way right um but yeah i, I definitely understand that fact because i actually have had a scenario where it did go bad like that mm. where it was like excuse me, like what do you, who do you think you are? Like saying in the first email, how much you charge as your baseline? Like I, I haven't even told you about my project. You might, it was like, it was like that kind of thing.
1: Well, and in that situation, do you feel like
0: you, you avoided some like a bad client? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if someone, if I write a nice email that's like, Hey, you know, I just want to let you know, this is my baseline. I hope you understand. Yeah. And, they come back with like, excuse me, like I've talked with all these big, so I, Oh, I, okay. I, I don't want to get, and too we much also want
1: to clarify that when you write, Hey, you want to emphasize the crackle in the hay <laughs> hey, when you say it. <laughs> <But> hey, <laughs> um, <laughs> you can even link to an MP3, uh, uh, little sound bite. That'll do that for you. Um, um, but anyway, yeah, Uh, Thank you, thank you for those
0: questions, Mal. Um, You want to get to this question? You want to you want to read this one? Yes,
1: Uh, Tati sent us a question. Hey, I know you guys hate PDF portfolios, (laughs) but my previous job does not allow me to publish any of the work I did there to online platforms. I worked there for two years and a half and keep struggling to present my portfolio to potential employers since I'm stuck with the PDF format very soon. I'll be working on my portfolio again to apply to junior positions and would like to know if you guys have any suggestions. Should I try a mix of medias? How many pages for a PDF format? What content? Let me know your thoughts.
0: All right. So, so Tati has work online. I, I I checked out Mm -hmm. her online behance, but some of her work, is stuck in PDF format because her employer doesn't allow her to publish it online. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a, a, a weird scenario because what in, in my head, it's like if the employer didn't want you to share your work, they wouldn't even let you share a PDF of it. Right. In my opinion. But that, yeah, that is strange to me. I wonder
1: what kind of like, if there's any legality to,
0: them preventing you from showing the work right like the the medium thing is interesting like hey you can do it in pdf but not online i mean i guess that it makes sense obviously because online can be very you know it's public whereas pdf would be more private sent over email right but i think the solution here and or at least one solution here is if you would like you can build a website and have it password protected yeah so that that would be the solution that i see yes if you want to have the online experience if you want that polished online thing and be able to update it right i also wonder if there
1: are pieces of a project that you can show publicly that you couldn't show privately or or privately that you couldn't show or yeah not you're saying
0: like maybe show the process but not the final product or vice versa maybe oh like I mean, obviously like
1: maybe the iteration is something that they don't want
0: shown, but right. the final product is fair game. Right. Cause the final product's probably on Amazon or something. Like yeah. That. Right. I,
1: I just don't know. Like, it's hard to say because we don't know what your what kind of products you're talking about. And if it's like something that hasn't even been produced yet, which then, you know, again, like I could understand why right. it's not acceptable to put up, but yeah, I think password protected websites. Um, and, when it comes to the PDF format, uh, I like to keep things simple if I have to do that and just do eight and a half by 11 PDF and, you know, like not not
0: sweat it too much. Yeah, keep it simple if you're going to do PDF um, and please don't upload a PDF to Behance. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder what what they mean by a mix of medias. Like a, like a mix, like, hey, should I send my website and a PDF of like the extra projects to, to an employer. Yeah.
1: I think the thing, the thing that I like that I've said before about Instagram is it's like this supplemental portfolio. Like if you can really round out who you are as a designer, like if you are not able to show certain things, but you do have a web presence, obviously like you send your website, you send your behance. You also can send these more confidential
0: things. I, I, I guess that's I think, not a bad option. I, I, I think that's a fine option. Yeah. I, th- I think if you want something more polished, I would go the, the password-protected website route.
1: And again, if you're going for junior positions, definitely show, emphasize the process. I mean, obviously, like, people are interested that the, the process leads to a good final product, but what you're proving as a junior designer is your abilities, and, like, you have to... Because you don't have a lot in your portfolio to show for, you need to show, illustrate your process as much as possible. Right. Because that's what people are interested in. For sure. Um, yeah.
0: I think that was good. I hope that helps Tati. I oh, hope so too. Tati's
1: on the Discord. Thank, thank you for the question. Um, shout out of the week. Yeah. It's funny because uh, we answered a question from Mal, and he's actually the one who made me aware of this designer, Sebastian Barrett. Uh, I, w- I would guess a uh, twenty three year old design student in Paris, and um, this person, I'm guessing a he is is posting uh, mostly personal projects. It says here right,
0: and and their Instagram handle is at s e b a s t i e n dot b a e r t and it
1: just as soon as I got to this page it just struck me like how how nice these projects were
0: and how he's got a really refined taste unique they are very very clean and simple but yes very very unique in their form for sure like
1: this uh this light project these these uh these little light guys yeah. i thought were just these the i should say lamps that's the that's the more common terminology <laughs> not light guys well
0: well gantry actually refers to their their lamps as lights oh really yeah
1: mm-hmm. um but yeah so these these are these lamps that i guess are inspired by um shallots oh like onions yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean,
0: I guess like the one I'm looking at is like what you, it's like a almost like a plunger shape, but right. then then there's a light box kind of put onto it. So I assume that you can adjust it so that it's like yeah uh, taking the box up and down. And so one,
1: the so it seems like one of them is for the height of the light, and the other one is it's for tilting. Is, is more tilting. Yeah, the other one's tilt. Um, and I just I'm very just like. Impressed by the aesthetic, I think it's a very refined aesthetic. I also for think a student like this that, is good that the presentation of the work is really nice because it just, you know, it highlights the work. Right, it's very um, clean. I love this this speaker, the speaker concept, and Sebastian writes, "Why should only chairs have legs?" It's got it's got those big elephant legs. Yes, that's fun. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to shout out. I you know we don't often shout out students. And, but I think that when a student is doing work this nice, they, they deserve for sure a shout out for sure. And, uh, so yeah, check out Sebastian Barrett on Instagram.
0: Um, awesome. Uh, let's see what, what do we got. We got to wrap up here. Wrap it up, Nick. Wrap it up. Subscribe to iTunes. Break that five star. Like subscribe to YouTube. Thumbs up YouTube. Hit the alarm button. Follow Spotify. I don't know what you do on Google Play. Intro, Nacho, Kiyoshi the Kid. But uh, yeah, as always, I'm at Nick B. Baker.
1: And I'm at I Draw Receipts. Peace out. Later. <laughs> I'm a beatboxer. <laughs>